Just remain seated. 1 John chapter 3, 4 through 10. If you're there, please say amen. amen. Let me read this, and then after we read it, we'll get right into it. 1 John chapter 3, 4 through 10. Remember, I'm just going to do a portion of 10 because if I do it all, then it takes me over into the rest of these passages of Scripture that's following, and I don't want to go there this morning. I want to key in on 4 through 10. So listen to what it says in verse 4. Everyone who practices sin also practices lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. And you know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him sins. No one who sins has seen him or knows him. Little children, let no one deceive you. The one who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who practices sin is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. The Son of God appeared for this purpose that he might destroy the works of the devil. No one who is born of God practices sin, because his seed abides in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. By this, the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. Anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God. May God bless the reading of his word. As I read that, there are some things that stand out to me that we're going to look at. But it's a hard passage, is it not? It's hard. And why is it hard? (laughs) That's exactly right. Because we're sinners. It's hard because it draws a line in the sand and shows us if we are or if we are not of God. Now, I could have just as easily went around this passage of Scripture, but that wouldn't be fair to God, would it? It wouldn't be fair to His Word, and so we have to go through it. Listen to what it says. Let's start in 4. Remember, the reason for 1 John was what? To show that we know that we have, what, Joanne? Eternal life. And so John comes here in this text, just as he does in the rest of the book, and just as he does there in in the book of John, the gospel, and shows us these things. He has shown us many things up until this point to know that we have eternal life or not. This morning, he's going to show us if we have eternal life or not, and he's going to do that through those that work righteousness and those that work wickedness. Those that belong to their their father, the Lord, and those that belong to their father, the devil. And you say, well, Brother Matthew, that's pretty harsh. It is. It is harsh. I'm not going to lie. This is a tough passage of Scripture. It's tough. Because John clearly draws a line and he says, it is obvious. Obvious. What does obvious mean? Clearly seen, right? It's obvious. Those that are and those that are not. This is what John says. And so as we look at this text, we have to understand that this was not to be convoluted in such a way that that we don't understand it. No, this is to be read in such a way that it's clear as a bell. And he's going to show us this. Listen to what it says in verse 4. Everyone who practices sin 
And here's the key to all of this. Practices. A person who practices sin, a person that practices something, they're doing what? They're trying to hone their skills on that particular thing, right? And so those that practice sin also practices lawlessness according to this passage of Scripture. Everyone who practices sin also practices lawlessness. And that key is practices. John is going to give us the other side of that coin. Those that practice sin practice lawlessness, but there's also those that practice righteousness. The key in this text are those that practice. And he's going to give both sides to that. Everyone who practices sin also practices lawlessness. And sin is lawlessness. Those that practice sin are in violation of the law of God and stand guilty as such. Would you agree with that or not? You practice sin, you're in violation of the law and stand guilty as such. Now what law is he talking about here? He's not talking about the ceremonial law, the civil law. He's not talking about those. He's talking about the moral law, those things that were given to us in the Old Testament, those things that are summed up with loving the Lord thy God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving your neighbor as yourself. This is what he's talking about. This is the message that we've heard from the beginning. And the reason why I don't want to get into verse uh, 11 and 12, because it goes back to that, and we're going to look at that later. But he says here that we're in direct violation of the law, and we stand guilty of the moral law if we practice sin. There's no getting around that. Notice it says practices. This is to go on living in a state of sin. Everybody follow me? We have to understand before we move on that this word practices means to go on living in this state of sin. It's a lifestyle of sin. John is not talking about messing up or rather a sin because we know that we've all fallen short and we know that we mess up every day. But what he is talking about is a lifestyle that goes contrary to the law of God, to the life of Christ Jesus. This is what he's talking about. Why is he telling these people this? I'll tell you why. Because people had came into the early church called Gnostics. And they lived flippantly however they wanted to. They were the spiritual halves. And so because of that, they thought and deemed everything else wicked. So they lived just as they wanted to. They lived a lifestyle of wickedness. And here John comes to refute that. He comes to battle that. Let me give you an example. Those who practice witchcraft... We would say they are living in a lifestyle that goes contrary to Christ, right? Absolutely. And they're in danger of eternal judgment. Matter of fact, it abides on them if they do not change. We know this to be true. Why? Because they practice wickedness. 
So it's anything that goes against the Lord and his law. And as we look at that, I mean, we could, we could dive into a lot of different sins and a lot of different things. But you know what those things are. The Lord give us, he, he gave us ten commandments that it's hard for us to even get past nine o'clock in the morning without breaking one or two of them, right? And so we have to understand there's a lot of different types of sins. He's not just talking about one particular sin. No, these people were living lifestyles of sin. This teaching of John, it is going and is meant to go against the Gnostic teachings that it infiltrated the church. And we have to see that in its proper context. Verse 5, it says, And you know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. Notice what it says in verse 5. It says what? And you know that he appeared. How did he appear? Well, he left glory, didn't he? He was born of a virgin, wasn't he? His mother's name was who? He appeared. The scripture teaches us that he took on flesh and bone and blood and literally appeared in the flesh. God, man. He was fully God. He did not leave that back in glory, as some teach. He was fully God on earth as a baby, just as he was an adult. And he was fully man. And because of this, we know that he can uh, sympathize with our weaknesses and sympathize with the things that we go through. He appeared as man to take away our sins. And you know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. When we hear that he appeared, this should cause us to rejoice before we do anything else. The simple fact that he appeared on our account should cause us to rejoice. And then when we see why he appeared, and there's a lot of these, and we're going to talk about some of this tonight in the dining hall. There's a lot of different scriptures in in God's Word where it talks about why He appeared, and this is just one of them. Look at what it says. Why did He appear? To take away what? Sin. Sin. To take away sin. He left glory to do what? To haul off the trash. Didn't He? To haul off the filthy rags. My kids, we have a little dog, and if there's one little piece of paper that the dog finds, the little dog's going to chew it up, and then it's going to get rained on, it's going to stick to the ground, and there's going to be trash in the yard. My kids make their own trash. They make enough for ten people. They set up traps in the yard the other day trying to catch wolves. Okay? And they set them with fish heads and they set them with onions and they set them with all these different things. But what I'm trying to tell you is that they pulled out a bunch of trash. Now, if I tell them to go pick that trash up, they're going to fuss about it because they don't want to touch it. Why? Because it's been out in the weather and it is trash. It's filthy. They don't want to touch it. But there was one that left his heavenly realm that left glory, his home, to come haul off our trash that nobody else wanted to touch, that nobody else could touch. 
(laughs) Jesus was the only one that was capable of doing this task. I like my kids who were all capable of hauling off the trash. Y'all hear that, Selah? (laughs) Y'all hear that? (laughs) Let's move on. But truly, nobody wants to pick up trash, do they? They don't. They, They just don't want to do it. But Jesus came to do just that. He came to remove our sin as the sin, what? Bearer. It says, and in in him there is no sin. He's removed the sin as far as the east is from the west. He became the sin bearer for us. Perfection swallowed up in perfection. Perfection swallowed up unrighteousness on our account. Jesus done this for us us. So John here gives us the means and and how this happened. And this is something that he is establishing through the text. So we have to remember that it is he who done this. Remember we looked at how many times it says he in this chapter and I forget how many, it's 29. 29 times he said he or his in this chapter. And it's all referring to our Savior. He swallowed up this imperfection. He swallowed up this trash. And he did it on our account. Verse 6. No one who abides in him sins. Well, man, that sounds like a perfection doctrine. Like we're just, we have to be perfect. But that's not what it's meaning. If you go back up to verse 4, everyone who practices sin also practices lawlessness. Remember, I told you the point of the passage and the point of the text is talking about practicing a lifestyle. And so we have to apply this to verse 6 as well. No one who abides in him sins or keeps on sinning. Do we understand that? No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who sins has seen him or knows him. Look at the word for just a minute, abide. Abide. I love this passage of Scripture. We see it in John 15 about abiding in Christ and the vine and the branches. Uh, But we also see it in Luke 19 and 5 where it's talking about Zacchaeus. And I love the story of Zacchaeus. It's one of my favorite. I loved it when I was a little kid. I loved to sing the song. But the Lord, he went and he found Zacchaeus. And he says, today I must stay or abide at your house. Everybody remember the story? Luke 19, 5. I must abide at your house. This This was right before the crucifixion. In other words, Jesus came to stay with Zacchaeus. Well, the text says no one who abides in him or stays with Christ, keeps company with Christ, the person that abides with him, they don't just keep on sinning. Amen. Why is that? Because they can't. Because they're keeping company with the Son of God. We have to understand what he's saying here. The word sins here means to keep on sinning. And we cannot do that if we know that we are children of God because He is with us, abiding with us. And what will happen? Well, it'll be be obvious. 
our lifestyle and our ways will go completely contrary to that of Christ. So our lifestyles and our ways look like Christ or they do not. And this is the line that John is drawing in the sand here. Why is this true? Why is it true that the the one who abides in Christ can't keep on sinning? Because they are with him. He is Lord of their life. Our lifestyles, they either agree with his or they do not. And I, I mean, we have the Gospels to see Christ's lifestyles, right? Yes. Amen. How he acted, how he done things. Yes. We have that to see very clearly. We have an unction from the Holy Spirit yes. to not offend him, right? Amen. Why? Because we are with him. If he was far removed from us, it would be one thing, but he's not. He is with us. Remember, we're the temple, and he dwells with inside. So if that is the case, then we have to watch very clearly what we do. We have the Spirit of God that keeps us in his word, which when we stay in his word, it keeps us abiding in him. This is what John 15.3 is talking about when he says, You are already clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Listen to what it says, John 15.3. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Just like I said. So those that keep company with Christ, that will be evident in their walk. They will look like Christ. In other words, little Christ or Christians, right? Verse 6, listen to what it says. No one who abides in him sins. No one who sins has seen him or knows him. Remember, this does not mean we won't mess up. It does not mean that. But it's talking about rather our lifestyle of practicing sin. Verse 6, it says, no one who sins has seen him or knows him. Those that practice sin have not seen him and they don't know him. They are dead spiritually. Their eyes have been blinded by the father of this world. They are dead. This is a doctrine that we teach here. It is clear to us in Ephesians chapter 2. You were dead in your trespasses and in your sins. And so we see that Here in our text, no one who sins has seen him or knows him. This is tough given the fact that we all know all sorts of people whose lifestyles go against this very text. Even if they call themselves Christians. This is the hard part of this passage. John is drawing a line in the sand and he is saying those that keep on practicing sin, they don't know him, they've never seen him, they don't belong to him. And what does that do to us? Well, if we're true to ourselves, it does a lot of different things. But what does that show us about other people? 
I'll tell you what it shows us. It shows us if they are or if they're not. If they are or if they're not. Those that practice righteousness are of Christ and those that don't are not. Then we have to weigh in the fact that, wait a second, you mean to tell me that the ones that I love, my family members, those that do not practice righteousness, don't know the Lord, they've never seen Him, even though they call themselves Christians, you mean to tell me that they're lost? You mean to tell me that they're of their father, the devil? Brother Matthew, these are harsh words. Well, they're not mine, they're John's. And they came for the Holy Spirit to teach us these things. This is hard, hard doctrine. It is true. This is tough. We would have to determine one of three things about these people that continue on in their sin or, or sin for a season. We'd have to determine one of three things. First, that they have been given bad theology as the early church was here in this text where John is coming to correct. We could see that. Second, or they are backslidden and will be restored. We see that as well. And I'm not talking about losing their salvation, but rather that they have sinned and got caught up in sin and have went in the ways of the bad ways and and will be restored one day. Or third, or they are completely lost and void of all understanding of the truth. And we really fit into one of those three things for those that continue on in this lifestyle of sin. I have it in my own family. It breaks my heart to say it. But it doesn't matter what breaks my heart. It matters about what the Word of God says. And it teaches us very clearly, those that do not walk after Christ, those that are not in Him, those that do not practice righteousness, are of their father, the devil. That's harsh, but it's true. Listen to what it says in verse 8. Or verse 7. Little children. Now, is he talking to the kids in church? No. He's talking to all the people of God. Those that have submitted themselves to the Lord. It says, little children, let no one deceive you. The one who practices righteousness is righteous. Just as he or Christ is righteous. Simply put, simple enough. Those that are in a lifestyle of righteousness are those that abide in Christ. They are righteous. We will know them by their righteous deeds. Because they practice Christ's works. Unlike the Gnostics who spoke of righteous deeds but yet practiced wickedness. Everybody follow? Okay, verse 8. Listen to what it says. The one who practices sin is of the devil. Man, I'm, I'm going to tell you, John is, he calls it, this is called the book of love, but <laughs> this, is, this is harsh. Yes. For the one who practices sin is of the devil. 
For the devil has sinned, has sinned from the beginning. The Son of God appeared for this purpose. Here's another one. So the Son of God appeared for this purpose, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Yes, yes. And we know also he, he came to testify to the truth. There's a lot of different things why he appeared and why he was made manifest, why he came. And this is one of them. That he might destroy the works of the devil. And as we look at this in context versus the Gnostics, John tells us here basically, look at the Gnostics. Notice they speak of God. They speak as as the spiritual halves that they have God, but yet their lifestyle and their practice goes contrary to the very life of Christ Jesus. And so you can't have both. That cannot be true. John tells us that these Gnostics, they speak, but they don't do. They practice sin, which means they belong to Satan. This is pretty cut and dry, isn't it? Is this cut and dry, guys? It is. It's cut and dry. These practicers of sin, practicers, I don't even think that's a word. These that practice unrighteousness seem to have no remorse for their lifestyle. There is no desire to change. There is no desire to yoke up with the Lord. They have yoked up with their father, the devil, and they are plowing in the world for him, whether they know it or whether they do not. The one who practices sin is of the devil. This passage of Scripture should absolutely challenge us as children of God, as Christians, to examine and to see if we're doing this or if we're not. If you choose to turn a blind eye to it, there's probably a problem. This text should cut and it should absolutely carve on our hearts, sanctifying us more and more for the Lord who is perfect. Verse 8, it says, For the devil has sinned from the beginning. The Son of God appeared for the purpose that he might destroy the works of the devil. Christ Jesus was made manifest on the earth to destroy those very works. No one who is born of God practices sin. Verse 9, no one who is born of God practices sin. Here's that word practices again. Practices sin. So obviously the Gnostics... I mean, it's safe to say the Gnostics are not born of God. Because John tells us right here, no one who is born of God practices sin. In the context, this is who he's talking about. And as we apply it to our own life and those that are around us, no one who is born of God practices sin. They carry on in that lifestyle. So it's obvious, right? We can see, we can tell. These are God's words, not mine. These these came from John, the apostle, given to him by the Holy Spirit. My flesh wants to disagree with this wholeheartedly because I know a lot of people who claim to be Christians but are living a lifestyle of wickedness.
It would be very easy to write these words off and just go over them. Go past them. Not look at them. But the last time I checked, God's Word is to reprove us. It's to correct us, rebuke us, to encourage us, to make us more like Him. And so John doesn't take this lightly, and nor should we. Nor should we. I'm almost done. Listen to me, guys. Verse 9, it says, No one who is born of God practices sin because his seed abides in him. The seed of the Lord abides in him. He cannot sin because he is born of God. He is born of God with the Holy Spirit of promise, the same that seals us into the very day of redemption. Holy Spirit is incorruptible, unstainable, perfect. It is what will carry us into eternity. Those that have this Spirit, which has given us grace, those that have this Spirit will not and cannot continue and go on practicing sin. Because they are born of God. They've been born again. Verse 10. And here here it comes. By this the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. Obvious equals, if you've got a pen, you want to write it down. It means shining. It means apparent or made apparent. Publicly external or made manifest. By this the children of God and the children of the devil are apparent. They're publicly external. They're made manifest. It's obvious. Anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God. Nor the one, nor the one who does not love his brother. And that's what we're going to talk about next time. But let me let me finish this out really quick. Pay attention. So from the text, what we have from four to ten. That portion of 10 that we've looked at. It's clearly put forth that those who practice righteousness have eternal life. Remember 1 John is about showing us if we have eternal life. Those that practice righteousness have eternal life. And those that do not practice righteousness are of their father, the devil. John tells us this is obvious. What we have to do is we must stop trying to justify our lifestyles and our loved ones' lifestyles and take the word at face value, take it just as it is and say, God says it, it must be true. What does God's word say? It tells us here that this is obvious. This is obvious or clearly seen. Everybody got it? It's a hard passage, but it must be gone over. must be rehearsed in our ears. Let's go to the Lord in prayer.